Hey everybody, welcome to episode <laughs> 13 of Ooh. A Pot of Star. It is our season finale of season 2 already, Yay! because there's only five songs in Pinocchio. <laughs> Yeah, we're like a season of Sherlock. Short, sweet, and then probably bad. Anyway, I'm... Why don't you introduce yourself, Frodo? Oh, yeah, right. I'm Frodo the Lawyer. (laughs) And I'm Amanda the Person. Yes. We are on our last episode of Pinocchio already, like we were saying. (laughs) Um, It's another movie that really front loads Mm -hmm. its songs. Yeah. In fact, let me pull this up because I have the exact number, but yes, (laughs) The song we're doing tonight, I've Got No Strings, it actually starts around 36 minutes into the movie. So once the song's over, we have ourselves another hour, basically, maybe a little less, um, of just movie. That's utter nonsense. So we're going to cover that a little bit tonight, but we want to hit the song first, and then we'll wrap up Pinocchio. We'll we'll tell you our favorite songs from the movie. We'll tell you our least favorite songs, maybe a couple other fun things. And then we will be on to... Whatever movie comes next, so you'll have we'll to... We'll see. Yeah. yeah, no one knows yet, yep. so these just appear into the ether. Yeah, we're going in chronological order, so this, whatever movie is next has happened, and there could be a record <laughs> of it somewhere on the internet, but yeah, we're not sure yet. Frodo and I just live in a, a metal box, and they sort of lower the DVDs in one at a time when it's yeah. time to record, so we have no yeah. outside knowledge of any of this. Right, that's why we were, we're relying on these books that people pass to us. We have no oh. access to the internet. Thank goodness for those, you know, those prison guards who pass in the books by all the by J.B. Kaufman, because otherwise <laughs> we'd be in trouble. Yeah. yeah in fact, we're, we're, in, we're in neighboring jail cells and we talked through the wall and yeah. uh, we were like, yeah. <laughs> I had to sell a lot of cigarettes for this microphone, let me tell you. But it's worth it because smoking kills. That's one of the many lessons we're going to learn from this podcast. Oh, yeah, for sure. Kids. It is full of lessons. Yes. There's a lot of anti-smoking in Pinocchio, a lot of anti <laughs> Everything fun. No, it's just yeah. kidding. I mean, he is made of wood, so, like, you shouldn't smoke. Yeah. Like, even if you shouldn't normally smoke, he really shouldn't smoke. Right. Uh, fire bad <laughs> for wood people. Yeah. Inhaling fire can't be a good thing for him. Well, uh, let's go to the song, and Great. it begins right pretty much where we left off. We just saw Pinocchio leave with Honest John and Gideon. They're off to the the stage to be stars. Off screen, it's sort of implied that Honest John and Gideon sell Pinocchio to a new character, and that character is Stromboli. Mm. The devious, you know, rolled pizza sort of person. Uh, A generic Italian name given to a very large man, and now we're going to see his puppet show in action. And the new star of his show is... It's Pinocchio. Pinocchio! It's Pinocchio. Now, I have a question, Frodo. Are we going to have a Pinocchio impression off over the course of this episode? Because if so, I should oh. prepare now. Yeah, we can we can pull off some Pinocchio singing. Yeah, I mean, it just those those first lines of this song are pretty iconic. And I think the listeners at home would really want to see us try to deliver our best on those within a legally allowable amount of um, beats. I mean, should we do it now, or is this something we're going to hold off like a tease? Are we are we real radio pros now? Could we have a tease? <laughs> No, we're not nearly good enough for that. We should probably okay. just do it now. But I want to hear you go first because it's my idea. Okay. So just to clarify, this is going to be just the first, like, Whatever. Yeah. bit okay. of I've Got No Strings as okay. sung by Frodo in the style of Pinocchio. Bum, 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 bum. I've got no strings to hold me down. <laughs> I can't do that anymore. <laughs> that was yeah. very good. You get... 10 out of 10 small blue bow ties. <laughs> yeah. right, Congratulations. Now, now I've, I've awoken the neighborhood. Okay. But it's not, now it's your turn. <laughs> it's fine. They should all be awake watching the Olympics anyway. Okay. A five, six, seven, eight. I've got no strings to hold me down to make me fret or make me frown. I had strings, but now I'm free. There are no strings on me. I think there's a little bit more of, you know, the sassy, like, older, like, sort of been around the block a few times Pinocchio mm. in mind. Like, maybe he has been smoking a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a plus to you, 10 out of 10 to me. And oh, now, thanks, well, let's sir. talk about those lines that we just sang. I've got no strings to hold me down. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're clearly, you know, these were written for Pinocchio. Right. Very quickly. I wonder if Stromboli, you know, he got this puppet, this Pinocchio, and then he's like, well, I have to write a song for you. Or, or is Pinocchio kind of... Just, this is his thing. Do you think that maybe he had, like, a pre-existing song for, like, a puppet that was like, I've got these strings, they hold me down. Yeah. Actually, uh, Disney Wiki, which, uh, 
I gave away that I have access to the internet. The, the guards are going to get me now. No, Proto, um, I will. I will throw you under the bus at a prisoner's dilemma. So <laughs> just well, be, be prepared for that. I'm all right. Fair enough. But but Disney Wiki actually has a note where they say this is a villain song, and they they say it's a villain song because yeah. they say Str- they say because Stromboli is a villain and he wrote the song. So that's. That's, That's a weird. weird way to approach it. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy that. In our categorization, this is not a villain song. No, a villain song is sung by a villain for the purpose of nefariousness. Yeah. Like, just because someone wrote a song. Right. Like, also, this is one of the few songs in Disney canon where somebody in the movie wrote the song. Mm-hmm. So it seems unfair to include it in, <laughs> yeah. like, a list. It's yeah, like, well, I, yeah, but who wrote Wish Upon a Star? Right. I was, I will say, watching this this video for this song, I was so sure there's going to be more racially problematic depictions oh. in puppets. And, I mean, they weren't great, but they mm. weren't as bad as they could have been. That's very much true. And our my good friend J.B. Kaufman uh, brings in the assist <laughs> there, because originally they were going to they were going to start with the Dutch, but instead of the French and Russian verses that we're going to talk mm-hmm. about, they had a Chinese verse. No! And... and this is a quote, so don't 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 attack the messenger. This was there was an Ubangi verse, which I've looked up is kind of a generic term for like African oh. stuff. So and it's not you know the, the most proper term either. So Oh yeah. no. There was there's gonna be some very, I'm assuming, strong racial yep. stereotypes of non white people. So I'm glad they at least they stuck to stereotyping fellow Europeans. That's that's the better option. Well, it's the better yeah. option of the two. Yeah. So, of the two, it's sure. the better option for sure. Yeah. So yeah, the the three we have are like we said: the Dutch, the French, and the Russians. And um, for those of you who don't like remember, who haven't watched the video, don't remember how this goes. Basically, Pinocchio sings his first verse, mm-hmm. and you know, "Hi ho, the Mario." That's the only way to go. And you know, talks about how much fun he's having, and then these other puppets start to come down and sing to him about how much they're jealous of his non-strings or how they would like to seduce him because he doesn't have strings. Yes, it's a weird yes, song. Yes, they're seducing going they on. They are seducing, I... for sure. Um, and they, like, do a bunch of other puppet dances while Pinocchio sort of watches. So that's what yeah. they're referring to here is, like, those different puppets that come down. Yeah, it's, it's definitely weird. <laughs> there, yep. there, there, there is a sexual undertone to the to each of their verses. Oh, um, it is an overtone to many of those verses. <laughs> no, that's true. The, the Dutch one says, uh, your arms are free, is free. Because, you know, she's Dutch, she can't use correct syntax and everything. Sure, sure. Um, to love me by the Zyder Z, which I guess is something. Well, I looked it up, and oh. the Zyder Z was a shallow bay of the North Sea in the northwest of the Netherlands, according to hmm. Wikipedia, extending about 60 miles inland and at most 30 miles wide. Overall depth about 4 to 5 meters and a coastline about 300 <laughs> kilometers. So, clearly, oh. this puppet knew what they were talking about. Oh, yeah. It's a, uh, you know... It's a geographically accurate reference. But yeah, yep. she's saying to love her. You know, she wants to be loved by a good old Pinocchio. She wants that wood on wood action. <laughs> she should pick a, a bit of a wider sea. This one's at, at most 50 kilometers wide. <laughs> it's nothing. Uh, yeah. But it, it was a good good reference, though. Sure, um, sure. So yeah, she busts her strings for him. Uh, the Yikes. French one comes in, and she then says, uh, I've got no strings, but entre nous, which think might mean between us well first she says um you got no strings come a see come a ka, which means i looked all of these up neither mm. very good nor very bad so mm. so so i guess she's pretty ambivalent to the idea that like the strings yeah to strings in general mm. but his savoir faire is ooh la la yeah, what is savoir-faire? That, that's a... Savoir-faire a... is specifically defined by the ability to act or speak appropriately in social situations. Thank you, Google. Mm. So, yeah, so he's ooh-la-la. La. I mean, that's clearly something good, you know. Ooh-la-la. La. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very... Uh, also, she's just very sexualized in her, her dress. She's. I mean, the, the French are all... They're can-can dancers, all of the, the puppets that he's joined with. And they're doing a sort of sexual dance. Yep. If you've seen the recent episode of The Bachelor where they do the can-can dance, you can see what? why it would be sexual. No! Oh, you haven't been keeping up? Uh, so I decided I couldn't watch the season after they had, like, mm. an overt racist on last time. Which, mm. like... And I do love Ari, because he was my number one go-to, like, back when he was first on. I still mourn him, and I hope he finds love. I just can't watch it. But they had a can-can dance? They actually go to the Moulin Rouge, which is the place in Paris where yes. the can was originated. And so, actually, I want to talk about that place oh. anyway, so good transition. Oh. Yeah. 
Well, just yeah, in The Bachelor, they do the dance there, and you know, they're very, wearing very suggestive outfits. You can see here in the, the puppets, you, know, you can see their undergarments kind of when they kick up, and she's, uh, yeah. It's very, it's very sexual for puppeting. But yeah, and Pinocchio, ahead. who had previously been, or not Pinocchio, um, Jiminy Cricket, who had previously been like, oh, this is terrible, the getting in the right. acting, he like pulls his glasses out for this moment. Yes, yes. But that's not what I want to talk about. <laughs> it's time... For a special segment I like to call Amanda's Theory Corner. Cue the theme song. Amanda's Theory Corner. Alternate Universe Greece. Amanda's Theory Corner. Covent of the 1930s. Amanda's Theory Corner. Jimmy Cricket is in the Lamb's Hale's Amanda's Theory Corner. She's a person. She's a person. <laughs> Yay. I love it. It's, I sing it around the house all the time. Now, Dustin hates it. But anyway, mm. <laughs> so the theory, does Pinocchio exist in the same universe as the 2001 drama slash romance Moulin Rouge? Okay. So, yeah, the Moulin Rouge is where, like we said, it's where the can-can originated. Yes. Um, and the movie is with Ewan McGregor? So, so yes. please explain. <laughs> so the, the movie features Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman. Mm. Ewan McGregor, I'm just going to quickly summarize Moulin Rouge for those of you, the three of you listening who don't know Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Um, I've, I've actually never seen it. Oh, you should! No, I, I know of it, but I've never seen it. Okay, well this should be your Valentine's Day plans. Go, you know, rent Moulin Rouge, get some takeout, open a bottle of wine, and just cry yourself to sleep. Like we've all spent our Valentine's Days in the past. <laughs> so Hugh McGregor is this this young, very idealistic writer who wants to become part of the bohemian lifestyle um, in Paris. And so he moves in and sort of falls into the people who work at the Moulin Rouge and falls in love with Nicole Kidman, also known as Satine, I think. Yeah? Mm. Say mm. Yeah, something like that, um, who is a courtesan. Ooh. Yes, but great entanglements ensue, and the greatest thing you'll ever learn is to love and be loved in return. So then why is Pinocchio involved? Well, so the thing is that it takes place, you know, at the Moulin Rouge, and mm. it made me think, like, we don't really know what happens to Stromboli at the end of the movie. No, we don't. So perhaps, you know, this is sort of like his first go at show business. He has this very successful puppet show, like, tons of people are in the audience here, mm. they're throwing gold coins at him at the end of oh, the yeah. show. So he's got a good amount of capital built up. Perhaps he moves to the Moulin Rouge, which, you know, although it already existed because it's where the can-can originated, so, like, clearly that came from there. He whoa, sort of whoa, did whoa, it, whoa, like, whoa, 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 Well, maybe he, maybe Stromboli invented the can-can and introduced it ooh. to the Moulin Rouge. So, yes, reverse my theory. Stromboli takes his capital and moves to Paris and says, I'm done with these puppets with strings. I want more puppets without strings. It's a metaphor for, you know, the problems in the sex trade. Mm. And <laughs> bada bing, bada boom, Stromboli built the Moulin Rouge. I know it says that it was founded by Joseph Aller and Charles Ziedler, but those could have easily been covers, cover names for Stromboli. Yeah, I think also what may have happened is just... All of the history writers were a little embarrassed that the Kangkang was actually invented by a puppeter, puppeteer. Exactly. And so, you know, Satine sort of came, she was trained by Stromboli, um, mm. but, you know, uh, maybe Jiminy Cricket, her conscience was like, yeah. but fall in love with yeah. this guy. It's Hugh McGregor. <laughs> Why would anyone not fall in love with Hugh McGregor? And now I'm mad about Star Wars again. <laughs> All right. Well, you brought up <laughs> Stromboli. So I know we're, we're moving a little bit, a bit away from the song, but I think Stromboli is a person that is important to talk about because he is our second villain figure we have in this movie after Honest John and Gideon. Yes, he has just one villain, which yeah, is fair. I don't know if you did much background research on him, but there's a little bit in the book. So in the J.B. Kaufman book, they mentioned that once again, Teehee pops back up. Teehee was the character model who... Uh, did the movements for Stromboli. Apparently, he was a corpulent man. Good, good. In the book, he's a little different. His name is Mag Mangiafuoco. Okay. Uh, so he's fire eater. Sure. It sounds bad, but in, in reality, he actually ends up sparing Pinocchio. He's going to burn him for fire. What he doesn't. So he's kind of a redemptive figure in the book, so it's a little different. Um, but the... Uh, the character in the movie is modeled off Teehee. He, he's kind of meant to be a gypsy, maybe, and they, they mentioned that in the movie. At one mm. point, they call him a gypsy. And then um, there there is some speculation on the internet I saw that perhaps he's supposed to be a stereotype of Jewish Hollywood producers of the time because 
Um, because Walt Disney didn't really get along with them. It's also possible that he's just kind of a uh, over-the-top Italian guy who moves around and, and, and wiggles a lot. So, it, so it's based a on a stereotype somewhere. Just unclear which one. Right. Uh, when he starts yelling in the middle of the song, I don't know if he's speaking Italian or not, or if it's like, you know, your family guy, like, beepity boopity. But it's it's something that is probably offensive. Probably. Yeah. Probably. What are your thoughts on Stromboli as a character? I don't know. He doesn't have, like, any personality, except for evil. I mean, as a villain, he's, like, he's dark. Like, he's a good villain in the terms of, like, he accomplishes some bad things. Mm-hmm. Because he like manages to corrupt Pinocchio into show business, which, as right. we all know, is the biggest you know shame you can bring on your family. <laughs> um, he you know puts Pinocchio into slavery. That's just never a good thing. Just <laughs> right off the bat, I'll I'll make that blanket statement for the whole world. Slavery is bad, but um, well, so based on Stromboli, I have my own um, Frodo's. I don't know if it's a theory, but it's uh, my my own uh, perspective on on the the whole. Pinocchio's Stromboli thing. And just to summarize, once Pinocchio finishes the song, and don't worry, we'll cover more of the song, yeah. but once he finishes the song, he's kind of crying with joy, because um, uh, Stromboli's like, you're going to be famous! And he's like, really? And it's kind of a, t- like a sort of a sad moment when you know as the viewer, like, like this isn't going to end well for Pinocchio. Yep. Poor Pinocchio. And then he's like, Pinocchio's like, wait till I tell my father! And he's going to no, go home. No. And then Stromboli's like, nope! And so then he throws him in the cage, and that's when he has to escape, and, and the Blue Fairy comes in. But my theory of all this is, mm-hmm. if Stromboli had just let him go home, like, like Pinocchio loved being on the stage. He, he would have come back. Like, like he didn't have to enslave Pinocchio. He could have he been like, okay, like, w- w- Pinocchio, we're going to you know, reach a contract agreement with your, with your father. You're going to go on tour for, like, six months. We're gonna, so then you can come back. You know, the, the slavery didn't need to come in to play, and, he, it, and Pinocchio would have been fine it, with this. It really never does. Yeah. So what you're saying is that Pinocchio would have been fine if he just joined Actors' Equity. Yes, but also my theory is that if we had let Pinocchio go home, this would have been a very different movie, because Mm -hmm. then we would have gotten not Pinocchio having to escape from various forms of slavery, it would have been Pinocchio trying to convince Geppetto to let him become an actor and not just go to school. Do you mean mean High School Musical, Frodo? That is exactly what I meant. Um, The the next words on my page are highlighted Vanessa Hudgens. Um... (laughs) Yeah, so he. I think that this would have become he would have become Vanessa Hudgens from High School Musical. Yes, good. That's interesting so, because now we've brought in somebody else from High School Musical, <laughs> bringing it all back around to the fact that right. every movie is High School Musical. Right. High School Musical is uh, was and is all that it, that will be. Do you think that that makes Jiminy Cricket Zac Efron? No. Okay. Do we have a Zac Efron on this? Because if so. <laughs> What are we doing? I don't know if anyone has to be Zac Efron, but at the end of the episode, I, I have been keeping track of all your Amanda's theories in this movie because we haven't been entirely consistent. So at the end of this episode, we're going to go through and figure out what our, our true theory is okay. about who Jiminy Cricket is because, um, you know, there's a bunch. Uh, just for one, you know, there's the one of him being immortal. He's, there's one of him being Hagrid. So we'll, 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 he's we'll see which is our favorite. he's the only interesting character in this movie. <laughs> um... Yeah, so that's that's my strong bully theory. But <laughs> you want to go back through the song and and talk through it more? Yeah. Let's talk about the Russians. Yeah. Their verse because we talked about the other two. So it starts off with "Down where the Volga flows," which is the Volga is Europe's largest river in terms of mm. discharge and watershed, and it's the longest river in Europe. Discharge. Yeah, yeah, it's a dumb word. Uh, um, the river flows through Central Europe and into the Caspian Sea, and is widely regarded as the national river of Russia. Thank you, Wikipedia. I guess that whoever uh, was the, the lyricist on this song also Wikipedia'd Russia and was like, oh, the Volga, that's a thing. Well, hopefully he didn't read the second entry instead, where they talk about the Volga, an automobile brand that originated in the Soviet Union. Mm. So, right. yeah, yeah. It, their role in serving the Soviet <laughs> nomenclatura made them a contemporary cultural icon. Yeah. So, there you go. Well, that, that's another thing. Um, <laughs> there's a, a Russian rendezvous. Yes. Rendezvous, I didn't think was a Russian word, but... Nope, it's French. <laughs> Would you, I mean, it means, like, you know, whatever it means. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's like... It's, it's, like it's, the, it's English now, yeah it's, yeah. it's a word. If we don't know what rendezvous <laughs> means, then, like, that's not on us. We can't, we can't do all the work for you people. Yeah. Um, she says, where me and Ivan goes, which is, it's like, let's just drop some Russian names. Yeah. Uh, but again, she says, but I'd rather go with you. So it's, it's uh, you know, more no, flirting. He's a child, so don't. <laughs> He's like... 
two days old. Do you think the Pinocchio's really fallen for all this uh, this flirting? Because I don't really see it. He's not falling for the flirting. He's falling for the glitz and glamour of show business. Right. But but even within the number, he looks kind of scared when they all start flirting with him. He's he's not, like, you know, really in his groove. No, yet. he doesn't get into um, it until the Russian soldiers come out and start doing, like, a cool dance. Then he's like, oh, I also dance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they, they do the spinning dance. Yeah, it's really cool. And I, I like that Pinocchio gets in on the dance. I actually looked up the name of the dance, because it's it's that Russian kicking dance that they're yeah. doing, you know, that thing that you we know, know. the Russian kicking um, dance. Yeah. What is the real name for that, Frodo? Yeah, the Russian kicking dance. It is called... Let me pull it up. It is called the Hopak, and it it's Ooh. H-O-P-A-C-K, but that's, you know, the English... Transition, translation of it. Um, it's a Ukrainian dance. It's their national dance. Cool, so. cool. That's what they're doing. Yeah. It's a cool looking dance. It's a, it's, a, it's a funky little piece of animation. I do like the animation there. And, the, and it allows us to have that really fun uh, last line of the song, the ironic line, where he says, there are no strings on me. After he's, he's covered in strings! Yeah. Um, because he got all tangled up yes. with the Russians. So. And you do not want to get tangled up with the Russians. <laughs> Topical humor. <laughs> <laughs> At the end, Jiminy Cricket's like, man, I guess maybe he does like showbiz. Maybe showbiz is, is not so bad after all. <laughs> all my all my characters are like Mickey Goofy. Yeah. I can't do any other cartoon <laughs> voices. It's fine. <laughs> well, first, uh, just a couple lyrics that stood out to me. One is Hi-Ho the Mario. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was Hi-Ho the Dario. Isn't that like the, the thing they say in Farmer and the Dell? It is. Let's find out when that originated. <laughs> Thank you, Wikipedia. It was actually, it doesn't predate the Book of Pinocchio that much. It was published in 1820. All right, but but still. It, yeah, but to be uh, fair, that's a very different tune. That's the farmer in the dell, the farmer in the dell, hi-ho, the dario, mm. the farmer in the dell. But, right. boy, that wasn't a note at the end there. But anyway, <laughs> I don't think I ever sang that far in the song when I was, like, bopping around in the song as a kid. I was just like, I got no strings to hold me down. I've got no strings on me. I've got no strings. And you know how kids, like, just loop things. Right, 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 right. Um... Yeah, I think I just, I don't think I, I ever made it to Hi-Ho the Mario. Right. I think that that's one thing that is actually interesting about this song. We've been talking about how a lot of the songs are just one tune or maybe a little variation, but this is a song where it's a little more full. It has... Yeah, we have to do, of co- like, yeah. verses. Right. So that that's a cool thing about it. And generally, my favorite part about the song, and one of the reasons I really like it, is I feel like it has a full beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. I'll just go through how I see it. Beautiful. At the beginning, when Pinocchio is coming down the stairs, and he says, I've got no strings to hold me down, and he doesn't even finish the first down, because mm-hmm. he, he falls down, down the stairs on down, <laughs> uh, he's really happy, he's upbeat, so that's sort of the beginning. Like He's all excited, and he falls, and everyone's laughing at him, Strumble yells at him, and so right off the bat in the beginning of the song, we have Pinocchio being happy, and then sad all of a sudden. So then when he starts up the song again... He's not smiling anymore. He's a little bit more timid, a little bit more scared. Mm-hmm. He's kind of gaining his his footing again um, and starts smiling again. And then the women come out and he's kind of uncomfortable <laughs> again. And so then the whole middle section of the song is him, you know, uncomfortable with all this flirting. And then at the end, he really gains his stride and confidence again. He starts dancing with the Russians, like you said. Yeah. He's all into it. He knows how he figures out how to spin and kick and all that. And when he says, I've got no strings on me and they all throw money at him, it's like a really... That, that, that's the ending, you know, he's... Yeah. He started off strong and confident, he lost his confidence, and he succeeded. So I do see an arc in this song that we don't necessarily see in the other songs. Yeah, the other I, songs I'll, are... I'll give you that this has, like, maybe more character development than most songs mm, have had so right. far, because at the beginning I would say that he, like, he's confident, but, like, naively confident at the beginning. Right, Because right, he makes right. a mistake, and then over the course of it is him, like, panicking and falling apart, and when mm-hmm. he gets his, like, confidence back, I think it's interesting that the last shot is him taking a mistake and making it into a glorious final moment. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Like, that's, that's a cool, that is a cool progression. Yeah, and I like how we go back and forth. Um, it's another example of the changing perspectives in this mm-hmm. movie between the Jiminy level of Minutia and then the big level of Pinocchio. We go up and see Jiminy on his little ledge commenting and then back to the stage. I like yeah. how that happens throughout. Mm-hmm. But then also uh, another thing that mirrors the the beginning, middle, and end is the tempo of the song changes. And I think, mm-hmm. I can't remember for sure, but I think this is the first time in a Disney song that we've looked at, we've had at least significant tempo changes. We've yeah. had, uh, you know, s- uh, certain songs where notes were elongated <laughs> and, and shortened. Certain songs but, you will never you will never name. <laughs> yeah, like one song. But, but we, <laughs> we, we haven't seen something like this. And just to review... 
uh, when he first comes out, it's kind of a da 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 da. It's a, it's a plain tempo. It's not too fast or slow. Then as the the Dutch uh, women start dancing, it kind of it changes into a. I think it's a. Uh, it's either in three four or maybe six eight. It's it's some sort of uh, yeah. I don't remember. Right. It's like a three uh, dance, uh, and then when the French women come out, then they do the can-can, and it's a little bit faster. The tempo picks up a little bit, especially mm-hmm. when they start their can-can dance. It picks up even more. And then the tempo gets the fastest when the Russian dancers start. Because we start off with the, you know, I got no strings. And by the end, we're going like, when they're doing the <laughs> dance. So it really, really picks up. And yeah. I like that it's a progression in tempo to build excitement as the song goes. It's a progression in emotion and Pinocchio's confidence. So that yeah. is one reason that I think this is a really good song, both musically and it tells a visual story. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite songs that we've had so far. I'm not going to spoil my grade yet, but <laughs> for, for those reasons, I feel like this is a true musical number and not just character singing a verse and then moving on, like we've seen in a lot of other Disney songs. Yeah, um, well, I won't spoil my grade yeah. either. It's not going to be the same as Frodo's, but that's okay. That's fair. I like one song. <laughs> one song. I'll keep singing one song. Uh, should we talk about the rest of the movie a bit, just to sort of put a button on Pinocchio? Normally, of course, mm. we focus mostly on the songs, but because it's literally an hour of this movie left, it seemed unfair to yeah, leave the story yeah. hanging, so we had to go over yeah, it a little well, bit. Do you want to grade the song now, and then move on to the rest of the Yeah, movie? let's do that. Let's do that. I'm going to give this song 3 out of 10 small wow. blue bow ties. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that might be, like, my lowest grade ever. Okay, well, so, I talked a lot about why I like it already. Can, yeah. Can you explain why it was your least favorite of the Pinocchio songs? Yeah, I mean, I just... I think one is that just, like, I don't think the lyrics are that interesting. Like, the beginning is cool, and that's iconic. They're like, I've got no strings to hold me down to make me fret. But the rest of it's just, like, it feels, like, kind of tired. And I know that these, like... Obviously, this is an older movie, but, like... Like, it's all, one, it's all just, like, tired European stereotypes. Yeah, no, that's true. Which, that, that, like, that, that sure, are not the worst stereotypes we could have used here, and I'm I'm very grateful for that. Um, but it makes me just not happy with it. But, like, I don't know, I felt like this was more of an animation number than a song. The song just kind of served the animation, and I didn't th- think the animation was, like, it was cool. But it wasn't anything to write home about compared to, like, the, the cuckoo clock in other songs. I don't know, just, like, it made me feel like that's it. That's this big number we're ending on. I can see how it, it could be a little bit, yeah. Um, you know, we've been looking forward to him being on stage or, or doing something, and this is this is Pinocchio's big number. I mean, he's sung one yeah. line. He said, "And always let your conscience be your guide." But <laughs> this is Pinocchio's song, so I can see if you're looking for some big grand Pinocchio number, yeah. maybe this isn't your thing. Um, I just found it lackluster. I found that it lacked luster. That's <laughs> the definition of that word. I looked it up as well. I think that it had plenty of luster. I mean, I I. <laughs> I guess I'm I'm mostly curious. What makes you think Little Woodenhead is better than this? <laughs> um, an easily repressed memory, <laughs> I guess. Um, I just think Little Woodenhead has a little bit more like interest to it. I don't know. Like, I don't care that much about like Pinocchio is the only character in this. The others are just like animation background props. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and like. I think the stuff with the cat and all that and Little Woodhead is much more interesting than any of this. Okay. Uh-oh. This just didn't do it for me. I'm sorry, Pinocchio. It's not on you. You performed beautifully. <laughs> well, this this definitely did it for me. Um, I'm giving <laughs> this one uh, a really high grade. Before I say the grade, I a couple more things about it. <laughs> um, like I said, I love the beginning, middle, and end. I like the the tempo progression. I think that the animation's interesting. I like that we have these, uh, yeah. these new characters that they're not... Although you're right that they are not... Uh, main characters like Geppetto or Figaro, mm-hmm. they are it's someone else for Pinocchio to interact with, uh, maybe akin to the the animals that Snow White interacts with, kind of on that level. I mean, yeah. these are more stereotypical <laughs> Europeans, and so that's mm-hmm. that is problematic. But um, I like that we have the different scenes in the song, going from country to country. Mm-hmm. At least visually, I think it looks cool, and I like how the the music style changes between the, the different uh, sections. We have the, the the Dutch dance, the can-can, and then the Russian-sounding song. So we have we have maybe three or four different sounds to the song. Yeah, yeah. No, it it, it musically it, that part is interesting for sure. And I also do think it, it is a song that has lasted a little bit. It, um, yeah, it's been in a Beats by Dre commercial for wireless headphones. <laughs> so it, it's something that people 
still listen to now? Well, I wouldn't say still listen to now. This is not no, bumping no, no, on no. people's iPods. <laughs> They're still aware of it now. I think that's an important distinction. True. But I do think that we are aware yeah. of this song. Um, yeah. Certainly more than, like, Little Wooden right. Head or something like that. But it's also been used, and I have not seen this movie because I was advised against it, but it was featured Ooh. heavily in Age of Ultron. Avengers Age of Ultron. Okay, it was it was much better in that than it is here, because it was creepy as heck there. And I So you've that. seen that movie, so maybe you can explain how I it did. Seems. I'm an so I'm on I'm an Avengers uh-huh. fan. Um I know that they're all very similar and that it's nonsense how many characters they put in at this point. <laughs> I don't care. I just want to see superheroes do cool fights and blow things up. How does how is the song used in Age of Ultron? Because I haven't seen the movie. Yeah, so they use it mostly in the trailer. Um and I thought it was really good in the trailer, but Ult- Ultron is like this big robot being mm. i haven't seen it since it came out so like forgive me it's been a little while um but like talking about like breaking free of his chains and stuff like that and he sings this really like like kind of that, remember when we did that horror movie thing in the last episode right right yeah. it's kind of got that like that i've got no strings to hold me down yeah 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 i've Creepy. got no strings on me like it's it's, yeah. it's, 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 un, it's unsettling and i liked it in that well you, you, you don't better. find racial stereotypes unsettling <laughs> i mean i do not in like a way i want to keep watching it so yeah. i think unsettling is not as strong for word as i would mm. use in these cases um but yeah actually i i, I didn't think about it i liked that i liked it a lot in that version mm. i can't base my rating on this of what they changed it for <laughs> in age of ultron yes yeah. we should be basing all of our ratings on age of ultron I think that's <laughs> that's what we've learned no it is, it is a song that's kind of stuck around. Uh, it's Pinocchio's song of mm-hmm. the movie. So yeah. that's a thing. It's it's the song that our main character sings. I like that he isn't, again, not to knock somebody too much, but he's singing it like a real sort of child sings. Yeah, he's not sure. Like we impersonated at the beginning of the podcast. He's not doing operatic overtones. Yeah. So all that together... Um, I think it's the most dynamic song we've had so far. I think it's musically interesting, and given all of that, I'm going to give it an A- minus for applause, because he gets applause at the end. So, <laughs> and I'm going to place it third. So it's now, it's behind When You Wish Upon a Star is first. Mm-hmm. For uh, the movie, you mean, or in for overall, overall Disney? Overall. Okay. When You Wish Upon a Star is first, Hi-Ho, I have second, and that is an A-, minus. but this also has an A-, minus. I'm slotting it in third. So I have it as my third out of 13 Disney songs that we've covered so far. So I I think it's really good. All right. Okay, so now that we've talked about the song, let's (laughs) actually go through the rest of the Mm -hmm. movie. Specifically, I have four parts that I want to touch on. There's the famous nose-growing scene. There's the famous, and we've referred to it, the scary donkey transformation on Pleasure Island. There is the whole going underwater and finding and defeating Monstro, and then there's the... Well, that's pretty much it. But at the end of that, (laughs) then he turns into, spoiler, a real boy. Yeah, that's a whole thing, so... It's not songs, but it's something that we should be aware of. Since it's, like, most of the movie. (laughs) Right, since it's most of the movie. Um, Yeah. So, the thing people all think about when they think of Pinocchio is the fact that his nose grows every time he lies. Right, and it doesn't come up until, like, super comparatively late in the movie. Right, Uh, and that's, it's right in the scene we mentioned where he gets thrown in the cage with, uh, by Stromboli, the way he ends up escaping is the Blue Fairy comes to save him. Mm Mm-hmm. And so then she says, well, why, how did you, what had happened? Like, how, why didn't you go to school? How did you get here? And he just, he starts lying, and his nose grows, so. (laughs) Oh, no. And then she says this little snippy line, she says, a lie keeps growing and growing until it's as plain as the nose on your face, and that's a little bit... Like, that's a zinger, you know? Yeah, she's saying, it's a moral! It's it, another one! It's a metaphor and a moral, you know, all that. Then, But she she kind of cures it's him. It's a metamoral. <laughs> the idea that Pinocchio's nose grows is the thing that people think about with Pinocchio. It's in Geico commercials, oh. it's in Shrek, you know, they refer to it. <laughs> so, uh, it's not really a big part of the movie. So what do you think of it in the movie, and... How do you think that plays into his whole legacy? Why is that the thing we think about with Pinocchio? I mean, I think it's just that's like the moral of the movie, you know? It's just mm. like, be good. And this is sort of the one visceral, like, real re- real way we see. It. Like, the donkey thing is harder, because people can't turn into donkeys. Like, <laughs> yeah. just sort of in every day. Right, your, your, um, your mom can't be like, be nice, you'll turn into a donkey. You're, you'd be like, that's not how physics works, mama. 
Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think just, like, it's a good image, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not as good of a terrifying image as, like, children being turned into donkeys and clawing for their life or being Whoa. eaten by a whale. Yeah. Which also happens in the movie. And then, like, sneezing your way out of the whale, and then <laughs> you die, even though you're not alive because you're a puppet. Right. And then you're given life, but if you didn't have life in the first place, how did you die? I don't, this movie, Frodo, yeah. I'm I'm so ready for the next one. I'm just like, I have so many questions about this, mm. and I just, there are no answers. Well, let's try to unpack some of that. So, <laughs> so the, the nose, I agree, it's an image that sticks, so that's probably why it is the, the lasting image. Um, the, you said the clawing at Pinocchio, uh, do tell, uh, you're referring, I'm assuming, to, to Lampwick's transformation. Uh, yeah, at, yeah. Yeah. So, it, that whole scene, we've mentioned how it's scary, but when you really break it down, it is, it's very troubling. Um, the, they, they show up and this is, you know, there's all, there's, they're all smoking, they're drinking, they're destroying oh, stuff, they're, they're fighting. They're very bad, like, nine-year-old children. Yeah. As Lampwick says, it's a swell joint, no school, no cops, and nobody says a void. So, that's what Lampwick has to say about it, but... Uh, yeah, third it, moral of the story, kids: stay in school. Right. There's a lot of staying in school. A lot. You said smoking. Um, the fact that they're smoking when all this goes down, Pinocchio's on his cigar. That's a big. Oh, he's made of wood. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- he has already caught on fire in the movie, but it, yeah, it's <laughs> weird. Uh, no, so don't smoke, kids. Don't drink. The one thing I have a problem with is, for some reason, like pool halls are bad, like this, and, um, and Music because Man. Because we've got, we've, I was saying, we got trouble right here in River City with the capital right, right. T in the arms of Peanut Sandra Pool. That stands for pool! Yeah. That's the second and time, Pinocchio! Yeah, that's the second time you've you referenced that, we've, we've referenced this in the movie, because we talked about how Jiminy Cricket was kind of like the Music Harold Man. Hill. Right. Yeah. But here, it's different because... This I, is a I, reverse I Music Man. This is just weird. Like, I, I don't get what the... Were pool halls so associated with negative things now? Like, you see billiards on ESPN2, and it's like, <laughs> whatever, yeah. yeah. They were just dens of sin, you know. That's where the yeah. loose the loose men and women hung out, and they unbuttoned their shirt collars. And admittedly, everything I know about billiard halls in the early mm. times were f- are from the song, you know, Trouble, from the <laughs> Music Man. So they all sort of rhyme, and I don't know if they're accurate, <laughs> but it's they were a real problem. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it's weird, uh, but... They're in the pool hall, and that's where Lampwick transforms. Uh, the The whole story of, of Lampwick, and even going further, the uh, what's called in the book the dogfish, but is the same as Monstro. It's actually pretty similar in the book mm-hmm. and the movie, so that they did take that pretty straight. Um, it, it's it's just it's very overt, very um, moralizing, as you said. You know, no go to school, don't smoke, don't drink, um, yep. be a good boy, don't lie. Uh, but it, it, they really went all out in making it horrifying. That this the the desperation on Lampwick when he's transforming. He's like, I want my mama. I, I mean, maybe this scared some 1940s kids straight. I don't know. Like, it scared like, me. I hate it. One more thing about Pleasure <laughs> Island, and that is just like how we had the Blue Fairy with her little zinger, the mm-hmm. coachman who's the one who drives them to the. Uh, to Pleasure Island, he's kind of our third villain. He yeah, has his own. Z- everywhere. He has his own zinger, and that's he says, "Give a boy enough rope, and he'll soon make a jackass of himself." So another moral metaphor again. Um, They're everywhere. What did you call them a few minutes ago? Metamorals. A metamoral, yeah. <laughs> these metamorals. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, then, and then these sort of weird dark figures come out. They kind of—I don't know if they're humans or gorillas or. I don't know what they are, but they, it's uh, it's very unclear. Yeah, they're they're all dressed. They're in they're black. There's no color to these people. They're just black figures that come out, and they're the ones that that take the boys away once they've turned into donkeys. It's very spooky. It is. I do not care for it. So the whale. I don't even want to talk about Pleasure Island anymore. It freaks yeah, me yeah, out. Yeah. So they go because they find out that Geppetto got swallowed by a whale, mm-hmm. Monstro, mm-hmm. while looking for Pinocchio. Because that just happens to people in Italy sometimes. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, it's you know, <laughs> there's just whales everywhere. You yeah. got it's a real a real problem, mm-hmm. a real whale of a problem. Specifically, got eaten by swallowed by a sperm whale. I don't know what that matters for, except for maybe another little wooden head joke. Well, but he's, like, yeah, he's a sperm whale, but he has teeth, so I don't know if that's actually accurate. 
Right, like he's 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 not just eating krill. He ate a man. Yeah. Who now lives in his yeah. stomach. So that's chill. His baleen so, was not working properly, apparently. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, this is not, you know, a free willy scenario. This no. is a bad time yeah. for Geppetto. If you want to know more about whales, I re- highly recommend <laughs> uh, watching the PBS 1980 series Voyage of the Mimi. It's good stuff. Ooh, excellent. Starring Ben Affleck, by the way. Interesting. I don't think I realized that. <laughs> Um, so they jump into the water, and they can just breathe underwater, although to be fair, mm. I don't think Jiminy Cricket and Pinocchio breathing underwater is that weird, mm. because one's an anthropomorphic immortal demon cricket, and the yeah. other one's just a, a doll mm. who can talk. I think it's a little weird, because, I mean, I guess Pinocchio doesn't have to breathe because he's not real, but, but like, Jiminy Cricket, no matter what he is, a human, he doesn't <laughs> have gills, so, like, I don't know, it was weird, but th- there is, um, it, it's interesting that if they weren't concerned with, uh, if the Disney animators weren't concerned with science and that, it is funny that they have to tie rocks to themselves in order to stay on the ocean floor. So, like, for some reason, the Disney animators were very concerned with the science of buoyancy, but, like, lungs right. don't care. Yeah. Don't care. Yeah, now, admittedly, he's made of wood and the other ones are crickets, so that's yeah. a good call on their part yeah, for yeah, that. Yeah. Pick, pick If you had to pick a science, yeah. that's um, probably the worst one. In the J.B. Kaufman book, they call the sort of overall theory of this a fantasy that we're in, they call it plausible mm-hmm. impossible. So the mm. the concept is they want something that is they uh they don't want a totally unrealistic story, but they want to have yeah. fantastical elements. So like this is kind of an interesting blend here. We have they're breathing underwater, fantasy, mm-hmm. but they like literally need to carry rocks. So that's kind of like um, you know, that's realistic. But again, Pinocchio now yeah. is like a puppet that has a tail and ears. So it, the whole thing is just weird. Right. I mean, like, it's it's actually, it's interesting looking at it that way because that's how you build, like, fantasy stories mm-hmm. is, like, and, like, science fiction authors. You need to take to the limits of what people think they can believe. And if you think, like, well, that could never happen, then you've broken, like, your world. But if you think, oh, that could happen because of this, like, as long as there's a reason for it, it's yeah. fine. I don't know if they put quite enough reasoning into why this is. Like, why did a whale eat Geppetto? Yeah. But, like, in terms of, like, why are they staying on the ocean floor when they're made of wood? Oh, because they tied rocks themselves. Like, that is a way that they are, like, following the rules of what reality is. So I appreciate that storytelling. But it's fun because they, they, they managed to get swallowed by the whale. And then get and then figure out how to get sneezed out of it. Mm-hmm. Sure, and then Pinocchio dies. Yeah, it's does he have water in his Di- lungs? His uh, yeah. soul leaves his body. Yeah. yeah, like if if he had been snapped in half by like the waves, I'd have understood. Yeah, right. But true. he seems fine. He can't drown. I mean, I'm sure it was just in, logistically it was to give some sort of tension and like um, you know to the scene, so we were, were kind of scared. Um, oh, sure, but this is, like, another example of how, like, they've broken that rule of, like, you need to stick to the reality you've established. Because what you've established is that this is not a thing that can die, because it's just, like, a talking puppet. Like, we specifically said this is not a real boy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's an early movie. They can get away with this sort of thing. I get it. But since we're analyzing right. it now, it's just like, come on, Disney. Now, what if it's, what's happened is he's can die because he's no longer a puppet. Mm-hmm. He's become... A water person. Now, according to our internal <laughs> logic and our theory, once you come in contact with water, you become a water person, or you at least are somehow connected with them, or you have some ties mm-hmm. to them. They have access to you. They have access to you, seems right. to be the sort. Because not everyone who touches no, water becomes a water person. That's true. They have access to you. Yeah. So, so maybe what's happened is when Pinocchio and Jiminy went underwater, they ha- the, the water being sort of infused some sort of life into Pinocchio to the extent where he now can potentially die, um, and maybe when he... Oh, God. I, brain... Not fart. The opposite. Brain. Good idea. Um, <laughs> what if, when he becomes a real boy, that's because Zac Efron has entered him and become... And, and he is now Zac Efron when he emerges as a boy. So he's a, he's a vessel. He's a, he's a, a Zephron vessel. Yeah, like, I don't know if he's the only Zac Efron. I mean, Zac Efron still exists in the greater plane. Sure, um, sure. Know, but but perhaps this is like, not to get too deep in religion, but perhaps this is like Zac Efron's son. You know, like, like Geppetto <laughs> thinks it's his son, but really, it's Zac Efron's son. This, this I would like the... to take this theory and raise it just a little bit. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Just I think I, I think I like where this is going. I think we can change it a little bit to just fit into what established reality of this world is. Okay, go which ahead. Which is that when he, like, meets the water people... The reason that he seemed dead at the end is because I talked at the beginning, like, is that about Pinocchio being, like, a trapped soul inside of wooden form. 
Mm-hmm. So perhaps the water people simply take his soul away. And the blue fairy, mm. in an epic battle we see off screen, um, <laughs> manages to get a soul back. But mm. And perhaps she gets Pinocchio's soul back. Perhaps Zac Efron, in a clever you know, a moment of deceivery, mm-hmm. as they call it, both deceit and thievery at the same time, <laughs> deceivery, replaces Pinocchio's soul with his own. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and does kind of a, like, parent trap, not parent trap, um, Freaky Friday situation. <laughs> so, 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 so now, like, Pinocchio's old, like, puppet soul is, like, up in, like, space being like, help, I don't want to be a god! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's, just... that's it! You, you nailed it! <laughs> I don't know. Well, okay. We'll workshop it. Well, now that we finished the, the movie, I think this is a good time, then. I think we should pick our theory. We need to pick a theory, because... I'm going to run through some of the ones we have. We have yes. now Pinocchio as uh, as potentially Zac Efron, or the sure. child of Zac Efron, or something of that sort. Mm-hmm. We have Pinocchio also as Michael Jackson, or Captain EO, I believe is what you called him. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. So those are our, our main two Pinocchio theories, but we'll, we'll, we can fight through those. Then we have J- Jiminy Cricket as Hagrid, Jiminy Cricket as a mortal, Jiminy Cricket mm-hmm. as a Ratatouille type, where he... Uh, you know, goes in people's hats and controls them. Um, sure. We have Jiminy Cricket as someone who made a deal with the devil and is now a dark cricket. And do we have one more Jiminy Cricket today? Um, uh, no, I, I, I'm sticking with dark cricket for that okay. one. Like, no contest. Maybe he's okay. an immortal dark cricket. Like, I'm happy to combine those mm. theories. But he's a dark cricket. Okay. Dark cricket. But, uh, okay. but I guess as a dark cricket, he could also... Uh, occasionally, you know, uh, Moonlight is both Hagrid and Ratatouille. Right, <laughs> it, al- it allows him to, like, fall into right, any right. of the other theories, which I think is important. Right, so Pinocchio, can Pinocchio, can we reconcile those theories, though? Can he be both some sort of, uh, you know, person imbued with a, a, you know, a holy soul and also Michael Jackson? I mean, I think <laughs> it's the same way that, like, Jiminy Cricket could inhabit other yeah. forms. Like, I think that once Zac Efron is in a puppet boy's body... There are no bounds to what he knows. The flexibility alone, my goodness. <laughs> all right, well, I think all those theories can survive. <laughs> but what is the best song from the movie? And then we'll do, obviously, worst song. Sure. I mean, it's mine are going to be clear. It's going to have to be When You Wish Upon a Star mm-hmm. for my best song. Because it's just real good. Yeah. I'm going to agree uh, with When You Wish Upon a Star, but I really have it close. Like, like there, This song, I've Got No Strings, is really... Uh, it's right on the heels of, of uh, When You Wish Upon a Star. And, I mean, maybe I'm just totally off base with the, the Disney fan base, and maybe it's totally, <laughs> totally wrong, and, and maybe you're more representative. No, I mean, like, I could be the one who's totally off base, and I respect everything you said about No Strings. Like, I think your mm. theories are, and your arguments are all valid. All right. It's my, it's my worst song for this movie. It's worse than Little Wooden Head. Somehow. What's your worst song, though, Frodo? Um, mine is going to be Little Wooden Head. It's not a bad one. I think, what did I give it? I gave it a C+. I have it 10th out of 13 songs. So I still have it ahead of three songs from Snow White. I have it ahead of uh, With a Smile and a Song, The Washing Song, and One Song. So I I, I think it's fine. Um, I think it's a... I, I would give it sort of the generic level Disney song. So I'm not going to say it's bad, but I think it's the weakest of the ones we have in this movie. That's, what That's fair. Say. I mean, overall, like, I didn't think that the songs of this movie, except for Wish Upon a Star, were anything to really write home about. Mm. Um, give a little whistle, I enjoy. But, like, I don't love the movie. I don't really care about any of the characters. I think that, like, the story is lacking, and the songs, except for Wish Upon a Star, like, don't really do much for me. Um, so I'm gonna start a new thing where I, because Frodo's keeping his cumulative list of, like, all songs in order mm. of his rankings. I'm gonna do that with movies. It's a little easier at this point. Um, and I think you all could probably figure out, like, where I'm falling on that. Yeah, But yeah. currently my number one movie is Snow White, and my second movie mm-hmm. is Pinocchio. So, that's that's me for now. I'm not keeping track in the same way, but it is interesting. Yeah. If, if I just kind of eyeball my list and look, um, I have them pretty, pretty even. I think I have more Snow White songs on the low end, but within the mm. top ten or so, they're, they're, you know, they're pretty evenly scattered about. So my personal thought on Pinocchio as a whole is that I think that it is a... The songs... I said I think we talked about this in episode one. I think the songs are better as entities than the movie is as a whole. I think the movie's a little bit disjointed in some ways, um, with different distinct stories that don't necessarily flow. We have three villains. We have, you know, a bunch of different things happening. Maybe four if you count Monstro, fourth villain. Uh, so <laughs> it's... Yeah. 
there's a lot going on, but I think that the songs, at least I like them. So that's my thoughts on Pinocchio. Yeah. Well, and we're certainly not going to get more story cohesive as we move forward in the Disney canon, at least for our next one. So let's let's spoil, let's release the spoiler now. Uh, the next song we are doing is the next movie we are covering is the third movie released of the Disney classics, and that is you can you can unveil it. It's Fantasia! Fantasia! Woo! Fantasia, the winner of American Idol Season 3. <laughs> I'm excited. I like Fantasia. Yeah, so the next movie is Fantasia. We're not going to be doing one episode on each song in Fantasia because although they are all songs portrayed by Disney, they weren't actually Disney-written songs. You know, These were... Uh, classical music, but we're still going to cover them. So we're going to cover the movie. It's a Disney yeah, musical. It's still going to be awesome. Yeah, it's a movie that's all about music. So it's uh, we're the Disney music podcast. We'll cover it. It's going to be a um, little different than what we've done for the others, but it's going to be cool. Yeah, but we'll cover it. Maybe we'll have a special guest return to give Woo! us some more musical background. We'll we'll see about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that is that's all I got to say. Once again, thank you for listening to our take on Pinocchio. Hopefully you come back for further movies. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm having a good time. Are you having a good time? We're having a good time. Yeah, I'm having a great time. We'll have a better time. People follow us on Facebook. um, Wish upon a star. If they like and subscribe to the podcast, you can also leave a review for the podcast. That helps us a lot get more notice on iTunes, which is always super cool. Oh, of Um, And you can follow us on on Twitter, at wishapod um, a star. Yeah, at wishapod a star. And if you are a fan out there and you want to appear on a future episode yeah. of the podcast, uh, maybe. But, <laughs> but yeah, the best way to do that would be to get to know us and, and let us know what awesome thoughts you have on Disney. That being said, this has once again been Frodo the Lawyer. This has been Amanda the Person. And thank you for listening to Wish Upon a Star. And always let your dark cricket be your guide. Eh? No! my favorite theory. I like it a lot. <laughs>